If you have a Bible, open it up with me to Exodus chapter 23. We're going to read there together in just a minute. I am so excited to finally be at Rise Church. I know you're, you're five years old, and, and I'll tell a little bit of my story along the way today as I share this message. But I pastor a church in Oklahoma City. We're 12 years old, a church plant. We did set up and tear down for several years, and I thought I had unique stories and, and unique places. I just, I don't know of anybody that's ever set up church at a dude ranch before. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's amazing. First of all, it is amazing to walk in uh, to the saloon. I came in through the saloon and thought, no wonder this church is growing. Amen. That's not funny. But um, um, it, it is amazing to be here and to be a small part. Thank you, Aaron, for saying that, to be a small part, our church family, um, to be a small part of what God has done here and so much farther beyond what we, any of us could ask, think, or imagine, which is how God does it. Amen? And, and I know you're a part of that and you're thankful for it. And if this is your first weekend here, Aaron's already said it, but um, I, I would come back three times three times about 30 and, and plant your family here, get connected here because there's good people here. And um, Tiffany and I love Aaron and Erica so much. We, we knew them a little bit before they were pastors. And it's great to see people that are the same people five years later, 10 years later, as you build relationship together. And so I'm so thankful for their friendship, what they've meant to Tiffany and I. And he did spend some time. Having my boys here is pretty special. My two oldest, I, I thought I was brave having four kids. The, the Grijalvas have five amazing. They have their own little church, you know what I mean? And so, but actually, they, there's, yeah, there's a picture of my family, but my two oldest boys are, are up here on the front row, Holston and Noah. They both just turned, I have my first 16 year old. And so he, he turned 16 on Thanksgiving day. Yes, or two days ago, two, three days ago, and Noah's here, and then Harper, we have one little girl, and Nolan is our nine-year-old, and um, so there's a little bit of my family, but again, it is so good to be here, meeting some of your team, knowing some of your team already, Pastor Jason and Tabitha, um, just the, the phenomenal leaders you have here, and then when I get, to, I get to spend time with Aaron, not just in San Antonio or Oklahoma City, but it's just great to sit with somebody that loves the church and loves their church. And just to be honest, as a pastor, sometimes I spend time with leaders and they love the church and they want a church, but they don't love their church. And I love spending time with pastors that love their church. And so to both of you and to your precious children, your many, your many children, just to honor you and so thankful. Do you love your pastors, everybody? Come on, they're, they're good people. And, and I don't want to take too long just saying good morning and welcomes, but I already talked to you. This is a special place, but more than you might know, it's some special relationships. I loved it that when we walked in and we said hi to everybody, not only were you friendly, but my boys just ran away and started talking to many of the young people in this room. I'm sure some of you know this, but our churches go to camp together. Our middle schoolers and our high schoolers go to summer camp together. And so, so much more than just pastoral friendship or, or team friendship, there's, there's shared vision and shared heart. And then every summer, it's a big deal for when you're a non-denominational church and you don't have a campsite and your denomination didn't build you a big fortress out in the wilderness, you know, together, together, rally together, share resources together, put on camp together. And I'm so thankful for that relationship in the summer. 
And then I see my sons run around with all of your young people on a Sunday morning in the middle of November. And I realize, um, just as a pastor, just honestly, that's as good as it gets. That's true riches right there. And so thank you for being that kind of church. I, I am sorry that it's so cold and windy. I thought that was where I was from in the, you know, November and October, the wind comes sweeping down the plains and, and I got out and here I am in San Antonio and I share what Aaron said. It's like, I thought this was South Texas. I thought, I thought I was getting close to the border, close to beauty, right? And here we are, it's cold and windy outside. So I apologize for that. Um, a little bit about our church. We started Faith Church 12 years ago in a little cafegematorium, elementary school auditorium with a wooden stage at the end. We started with me and my wife and three college kids, but we counted our two younger kids. We just had the two boys at that time, seven people in our little apartment living room, and we'll turn 13 in January. And so, so thankful for our church and, and love pastoring there in Oklahoma City. I am from Norman on the other side of Oklahoma City, and so I'm a diehard Sooner fan. So I don't know what all of you guys are, but I have a feeling it's not Sooner fans, right? Um, and wh whatever version you are, you likely hate us, and, and we return the favor, right? And so, so hopefully we can overcome those things to get into God's Word. Um, Exodus chapter 23 is where we're going to read from just a few scriptures. And, and today I want to talk to you about how to live by faith, how to really, how to really walk with God, receive things by faith. And, and really, what we're going to see inside of these, these few verses is what I would see and consider a major theme in the Bible, or really an undercurrent of every story, almost every story. Every story in the Bible, what I've, what I've learned over the years is that it's a lot longer than people realize it is. Like it took longer for that story to unfold than the three chapters in Judges, right? The story of Samson, the story of Gideon, the story of David, we kind of see it in movie moments, but the real life tale, how God actually worked in their life took a lot longer. The Bible is written in 40 year segments, 80 year segments, you know? Most people are unhappy at 19 or 25 if they're not all the way successful. Most marriages aren't content if, at if, if five years in they don't have it all already. And the Bible is written a little more patiently than we often understand. And so as we think about how we step into God's promise, how we apply God's power to our everyday life, here's a great question to kind of get us started. How does it actually work? How do we actually live by faith? How do I receive the healing? How do I overcome depression, defeat anxiety, trust God, to start out, launch out in a new career, see a dream realized, or, or start climbing out of a financial habit that I found myself living inside of cyclically. How does God work? Here's something to write down. God's promises come God's way, not our way. The way God works is God works his way. The most common way he works in our life is oftentimes the story and the scriptures that we're going to read from today. God's promises come in God's way. So, so here's another question that I want to ask you right now, and I pray you have an answer for this. 
What are you believing God for right now? And you don't have to shout it out or anything like that. I'm not sure what kind of church this is on a Sunday morning. Feel free to scream if you want, but just shortly and quietly. But um, what are you believing God for right now? Here's what I found. Some people don't have an answer, which maybe they've never been taught they can believe God for something or or, or, or quite possibly we become so content with what we can provide for ourselves that we don't need God. And then we wonder why he's not working. Or, or maybe you've just never been told, hey, you can, you can really trust God for significant things. I would challenge you that no prayer, no dream is too small. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Have something that, that you are, are constantly thinking about that, that says, God, we know it's going to come your way and in your time. But here's what I'm believing for. I, I am believing for my husband to be saved. I know it's been five years or or. 10 years, but I'm believing for my daughter to come back to Christ. Amen. I'm believing that, that, that the next generation of my family is going to have a stronger faith than, than my generation or than the generation before us, that it's just going to get deeper the further it goes. Does anybody have that dream in their heart for their family? We're believing God. What are you believing God for? So don't be intimidated that the need is big. I would be more scared if you don't have an answer or if you're not trusting God for something significant because he works in people's lives that believe him. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is, he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Do we think that way about God? That he exists, that's where your relationship with God starts, you're real, and, and that you will bless, you will reward, you will see those who are pursuing you. We find a people like this in Exodus chapter 23, kind of where we are in the timeline of the Bible. Most of us are, are, are familiar with the highlights of the story, but in the early chapters of Exodus, the Israelite people are delivered from Egyptian slavery. In Exodus 20, to give you a pretty big benchmark, the, the, in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments are given. And so following this, now God is building this nation, building this people, giving them laws and customs and traditions because they have no laws, they have no customs. They've been in slavery for almost 400 years. So when you see details in Leviticus that you skip over when you read the one-year Bible, come on, anybody else, you're like, I'm in numbers today. In Jesus' name, I'm done, right? I, I'm going I'm to give this one to you, Lord. But the reason all those details are in the Bible is these people did not know how to, 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 to function in a family, to marry or to bury or to, to raise children or, or so many things that other cultures had, even if they were wrong. The Israelites had nothing. They had been in extreme poverty and slavery for centuries. Now God has delivered them giving them laws, giving his presences with them, but how does it actually work? How is God actually gonna give them the promised land? Exodus 23, verse 28 says this, and I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. Really what God's saying here is you're not even ready to fight, 
So here's how much power I have. I'm going to send swarming hornets before you that will defeat the first three adversaries you have. He's letting them know up front, I'm in control. Look at verse 29. I will not drive them out from before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the wild beast multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you can possess the land. If you're taking notes, if you want to remember a theme, what we're going to talk about this weekend, it's from verse 30. It's just this phrase, little by little. Everybody say little by little. Come on, one more time, a little louder. Say little by little. You know, this scripture encourages me so much, and you can miss it if you're not careful. There's a secret in this scripture about how God works. He even tells them something that most of us would be disappointed about. I'm not going to do it in one year. Why not? One year is better than two years. Six months is better than one year. How about tomorrow? God, I'm believing for something big. You did it for them. Why don't you do it for me? Well, you don't know their story, right? Uh, Mark Cuban says it took me 25 years to become an overnight success, right? So we see others and we live in comparison. We get anxious that God's not working in us or, or doing it in our family, but it's really because we don't understand this promise, this principle of patience. Little by little, I will take you to your land of promise. God even says here, you're not ready. And again, something else we don't want to hear. You're not ready for it all. If I gave you the promise right now, you wouldn't even know how to take care of it. The land would be desolate. And notice what he says. The wild beast would overtake you. You can't even defeat the animal population if I gave you all the promise right now. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm so good. God says, I'm faithful. I'm going to give it to you as you increase and you become the type of person, the type of leader, the type of steward that can possess the promise that I have for you. And here's how it's going to come. It's going to come little by little. So, so what do we do? How do we really live this out? What, what do you do when your promise takes patience? What do you do when your promise takes patience? Let me give you a couple thoughts today just to remember and maybe discuss in small groups if you're in small groups or type into you version as you, as you take a message like this and really ask the best question, God, what are you saying to me beyond the sermon and, and beyond the notes? God, what are you speaking to my heart? How do we take this and really live it out? Let me give you a few thoughts to write down. Here's the first one as we live out the little by little of God. Are you guys ready? Okay, here we go. Number one, don't get discouraged by small steps. Learn the value of incremental increase. Right? There's, there's, no, there's, there's nothing in our culture. There's no ad on Facebook. There's no commercial during a football game. There, there's nothing that is saying slow down. Enjoy today. Things worth having take time. Relationships are hard. Losing weight is not easy. <laughs> Nothing says that. It says, eat what you want and take this. That that's usually does not work. 
Nothing worth having comes from the hustle. And we're sold this, whole, this hustle culture, right? And right, burn it at both ends of the candle. I, I follow some things online. I don't think I follow them. The algorithm wants me to follow them. Y'all know what I'm talking about on Instagram? And it, this one guy is like, what if you, for five years, just gave all you had and worked 16 hours a day? And then after you worked 16 hours a day, you woke up and then you worked out for two hours. And I started adding up the time. And it's like, it's not. And what if you gave five years to have 50 years of freedom. Wow, that sounds amazing. Uh, my question would be, what if during those five years, my daughter goes from 11 to, four to 16? I wonder if the 50 years, even if what he says is true, I wonder if the 50 years of freedom, or whatever that means, is going to be worth what I have to trade for buying into that model, buying into that system, that culture of, of get it now, strive, earn quick, fast. And we would all admit that the result of this is not good for our souls. Robert Kiyosaki, many of you know that name, have read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he says, the idea that success can happen overnight is crippling the financial future of our generation. Don't get discouraged by small steps. So many people, I find myself here, maybe you do, we become paralyzed by a, pro a timeline of progress that God never promised us. God never promised he promised the miracle. He promised the, the, the blessing. He promised the legacy. He promises those things in his word. But then we, 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 we superimpose a timeline on God's faithfulness and demand that he live on that timeline or he's not faithful. Well, what we've got to do now is take a step back and say there's a better way. I, I can celebrate what God's doing and I can take the next step. Even if I have to, to mourn, God, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. If I've got to lay something down, I'm going to lay it down and, and mourn and take the next step. I, I can celebrate. I can cry. I can have joy. I, I can be sorrowful. And, and then I can clean myself off and, and take the next step. Here's what you and I can do. We can start today, little by little, stepping into the promises of God. I can start putting money back today. Right, people that, that go through Alcoholics Anonymous or that are overcoming addiction, you know what that environment does really well? They celebrate one day. One, one day of laying down a habit that's going to that's gonna destroy your future. Just let's go one. Not all the way. Right? Not that I wrote the book on it. No, no, I just, I was faithful today. I, I took one step and this is what I need to do, especially. I don't need to wait till December. I, I got to take, anybody need to, already you had Thanksgiving, and you need to take one step toward healthy habits in, in eating. Anybody here? Come on. Y'all are all just healthy in San Antonio. Nobody <laughs> ate too much over Thanksgiving break. But, but if, if it really happens in your life, right, I don't care what you do, keto, intermittent fasting, it's all the same. No bread, no sugar. You know what I mean? It's all the same. 
Look at this book, the Atkins diet. Look at this new fad. I'm, I've never found one that says you can eat bread and sugar. If you find that one, we'll do that one together, right? It's all the same, right? But, but, but the, here's what they often don't include. It, it includes what you subtract, but it promises timelines that aren't real. It's little by little. If you want a, a relationship with one of your kids to get stronger, maybe they're out of the house. And when Pastor Aaron teaches on parenting, your main thought is, I wish I had known that back then. Here's what you can do today, just little by little. Engage where they'll engage. If you're, if you're a young person in this room and you're out of the house and you don't have a great relationship with your mom or dad, just start somewhere. You, you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to have this amazing week together. How about just lunch? How about just a coffee, one hour at a time? Come on, anybody listening to me today? Just little, okay, God, I know you're good. I know you're faithful. But the timeline from killing the giant to, to becoming king to worshiping you, David wasn't overnight. The story takes time. My story is gonna take time. Little by little, I will give it to you. And here's what I'll encourage you with. As you experience the little by little of God, you'll have faith for the next fight. You might not even have enough faith right now to take on the devil that's going to come at you in five years. But, but if you'll fight the fight in front of you, you'll have faith for the next fight when it comes. And, and little by little, God will grow you to become the leader, to become the dad, to become, right? Our, our church started, to, it'll be 13 in January but a year before we started, probably a lot like your church or a lot like different churches, you know, you'll spend some time building a launch team and rallying people together. And we started with seven people in March, not to bog you down with timelines, but March we launched in January. So, right, we have like nine or 10 months there. But in September and October of, of that, that will launch in, you know, five or six months, we started launch team meetings on Sunday night and getting people together. And, you know, we grew from seven to nine to 12 to nine. And, you know, it was powerful. Just people stayed away in the masses, right? And, and, and so um, one thing a church needs that you have found amazingly here, especially walking into this new door in April, right? Is that right, Pastor Aaron? I mean, this place right here. Is, um, is this amazing or what? This room that you guys have, it's pretty awesome. And you got here, I won't, you know, little by little, amen? amen. You don't start here. But, but we, were, we were looking for a facility and God had given us a word prophetically and, and we were trusting him on, on the location we were starting in on the northwest side of Oklahoma City. And I had this red triangle I had drawn on a, on a MapQuest printout the year before at Christmas. Y'all remember MapQuest? And, and, and my mom had a, a little printer and I printed out a MapQuest and, and drew this, what looked almost like a triangle and took it back with me. And it was a year and a half later that we actually moved back to launch Faith Church. And, and so I had this triangle. I was looking at all the facilities that could possibly be a church. No movie theaters, no large scale rooms. Most of it was schools. And so um, that year in March, when we moved back, you know, we're nine or 10 months away. I went and met with um, the school district superintendent, tried to meet with him. He wasn't available, but I met the chief operating officer, Mr. Hooper of Putnam City School District. You don't have to know where that is. Pretty large school district in our city. 
And I met with him. I showed him a little bit of who we were, what we were trying to do. What was amazing is that day he said, let's do it. And I was like, well, this is going to be easier than I thought. He said, you have the green light from the chief operating office. If you can find a principal that'll say yes to you starting your church in their school, you got the green light from me. And I walked out in April, spring. I mean, I was fired up. God, you're just opening the doors. By the end of the year, we were at 20, end of the school year in May, we were at 20 no's. All the principals we had asked, that we, schools we actually wanted said no. Throughout the summer, it's hard to get a teacher, a principal to meet with you. So we were getting no's about two, three times a month. Now our church is meeting together. We're trusting God. We have a facility that almost works out in October. It falls through 48 hours later. We have no place to meet. I remember the day in mid-October, we're three months away from launching, and the last school theater facility that could possibly work said no. Every school in that red triangle I had drawn that I had a word from God on said no. One guy that was on our launch team, he said, hey, we can, I got a three-car garage. We can have it in my garage. And what's sad is I thought that's probably what we're going to do. That's the biggest space I know. My, my family and I lived in an apartment. The clubhouse of the apartment wasn't much bigger than his garage. And I, I went down to Mr. Hooper's office. It was early November. It's almost 13 years ago now. I tell you this story. And, and I looked at him and I said, what? Is there anything I can do? He said, I'm so sorry, preacher. He called me preacher. He said, I'm so sorry, preacher. I guess it's just not going to work out. And I just, I, I thought, there's no way. God, you said here now. That was the word my wife and I got simultaneously in separate places. You gave us a vision. You've given us literally tens of twelves of people on our, on our launch team. And this is amazing. And, and, and. I walked out of his office just devastated. I remember looking down at the floor and it's that, you know, that school linoleum. Y'all know what I'm talking about? What makes it yellow? You ever wonder that? I, I don't know. They, they don't ever lay it down yellow, but that's a whole nother message. And, and, and you don't know me. I don't know you that well. This story is a little weird. Before I have to leave the school administrative offices on 40th and Ann Arbor, I'll never forget it, downtown Oklahoma City. I have to use the restroom. And y'all know what that's like, using the restroom. Anybody else here have that in common? <laughs> and I have to walk into the restroom. And I'll just say this, that I had to go to the deepest part of the restroom. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the part where you shut the door. And I'm sitting there, <laughs> it's good to be here. I'll see y'all again in 10 years maybe, right? I'm seated in the bathroom, and I look down against the wall, and there's a wallet laid open. Don't ask me how I know this. My wife doesn't like this part of the story. There's seven $100 bills in it. It did cross my mind of like what the enemy meant for evil. God, praise God, right? He's sowing into our church plant right now, and... What the school district tried to rob from us, uh, yes, amen, God's going to give it back. But thievery was not God's plan, so I, I went handed it to the front desk and got in my car, drove down the 
I was driving down the road, got about four miles away. Mr. Hooper called me and he said, hey, I have to tell you this. The superintendent of our school district wanted me to call you personally and thank you for turning in his wallet. I told him a little of your story in the last two or three minutes. And he said that you need to drive back over here and that I'm not supposed to leave work today until I personally call every principal in our school district and find you a school to start your church in. And that day, he called Ashley Hoggett at James L. Dennis Elementary School. She was the youth pastor's wife from Edmond. That was her first day on the job in the middle of November. A principal had resigned. She started that day, and that was the first call he made. He's like, let's start with a new one. I went over there that afternoon, my wife and I, we met with her, we signed an agreement, we started our church. Two months later in that little elementary school. And so one of the things we say around our church family is we didn't name it Doubt Church. And the first time I ever said that was the next Sunday night when I told our team, the 14, 15 adults in that room, what I have just learned, I now call the wallet story. Really, we call it the toilet story. And Rise Church, you now know the toilet story. But here's what I believe. Look at me just for a minute. If God has to put a wallet next to a toilet to get you to your promise, he'll do it. I stand in front of you living proof of a church, the church I pastor, I know this church is amazing. I'm just going to tell you, the church I pastor is an amazing church. God's blessed it. This last year, we believe God for, for land. We came into a contract on 20 acres of land with so many impossible mo- moments ahead of it. We closed in May of this last year. We closed on that, pro- that, that property. But you know what story I told our church leading up to the purchase of that land? I just took them back to the toilet. I said, if God met us there, what are we going to be scared of now? Why are we backing down now when when the giant seems bigger, the the price seems larger, the the mountain seems greater than, than we've ever climbed before? But what you have to do in your life, in your faith, is you've got to take not only yourself, not only your, your family, sometimes you've got to take the devil back to the toilet, you know what I mean? And say, I, I know you're telling me now that this is the end, that it's not going to work out, that this is all it's going to be, but I want to take you back to a place where God met me when it seemed impossible then, and though it looks impossible now, I just want you to know, I've got the kind of faith that finds wallets next to toilets. Not not I got that kind of faith, I've got that kind of God. Amen. That that if I'll keep trusting, and if I'll keep growing, and if I'll keep building, if I'll keep living by faith, I'll experience God in action. Listen to me. If you'll live by faith, you'll experience God in action. You'll find him out there in the unknown. You find him on the ocean, right, when you step out of the boat. That's that's where he is when you step out on nothing and believe God for everything. That's where he is. He's not with those that are are, kind of settled, content with what they have, not content in the sense of not at peace, but unwilling to say, God, I know you have greater. 
we're going to have a hard time getting through the rest of this message. Number two, don't be afraid to make mistakes. If you're going to do something that matters, you'll make mistakes. If you're going to make a difference, you'll fail. I started preaching when I was 21 years old, preached for a few years. I remember the first time our senior pastor gave me a chance to preach in what we called back then the tabernacle. Yeah, we don't call it, we call it the auditorium these days, right? Josh, I'm going to let you preach on Sunday night in the tabernacle. And I got my message together. I preached. I preached my heart out. You know, and I came back at the end of the message. and I said, hey, how was it? I'll never forget what he said. Ronnie Harrison, he's a good man, good pastor. He made this noise. He went, <laughs> not great. <laughs> That's all he said. And I remember he said this to me. He said, Josh, you can't preach the whole Bible in one sermon. And then he brought me back to his office and he looked at my notes and he took a red pen and he made notes on my notes. Some people today would call that spiritual abuse. That's actually just coaching. And I'll never, I'll always be thankful for that. Not great. And he sat with me and said, you're doing too much. You shouldn't have said this. You, if you're going to do something, if you're going to become better, and I'm still doing this. I'm still saying, what do I need to learn? What kind of pastor's cohort can I? I've been asking Aaron questions all week, learning from him. I mean, what you guys are doing here is special. I'm telling you. I'm ready to grow. I still need to learn. I plan on preaching 20, 25 more years, and, and I need to get better than I am today in order to do that. So what do I do next? I, I keep failing. I keep growing, and little, little by little, he'll take me there. He'll take you there. If I'm not afraid to make mistakes, the Israelites making mistakes was a part of the promise. The Hivites, don't lose sight of this. The Hivites are a part of the promise. The Canaanites are a part of the promise. The problems are a part of the promise. You're cursing that enemy. You're cursing that struggle. Even a sickness or a hard financial lesson that you've had to learn. No, that's a part. That's why 1 John says, when we sin, we have an advocate. Not if we sin. When we sin, we've got an advocate with the Father. That he uses the failure and grows us. I love what Isaiah 29 says. To whom will he teach knowledge? To whom will he explain the message? Who's actually going to get, get it? Little by little. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little, there a little. It's all throughout the Bible once you see it. How do, I, how do I learn more? Well, I can't, I can't share my faith. I can't lead a small group. I can't lead a Bible study. I don't know enough. No, share what you know, and you'll learn more. Start where you are. Maybe you're a parent that your kids have been raised in church, and you think, man, they know more than me. That's okay. Just share the one verse that's speaking to you. Start where you are and watch God work. If you live by faith, you'll experience God in action. Here's the last thought I have for you. Trust the timing of God and take the long view. The little by little of God is greater than your biggest plans. Hebrews 10 says this, do not cast away your confidence, which has reward. 
for you, you have need of endurance. And after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. For the righteous will live by faith. See, you're actually not being patient in, in trusting God. Can I just encourage you with this? You're not being patient. God's being patient. We think we're being patient. When God's the one that's patient. Little by little, I will drive them out until you have increased to possess the land. The promise we have to hold on to is that our faith is getting stronger day by day. Our faith is growing. We're learning to trust because faith deals with things that are real, but just are not yet currently in your reality, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's evidence of things I don't see yet. I'm not yet in the promise, but I'm becoming the person that can live in the promise. And here's how God takes me there, little by little, little by little. That's why church is so important. It's more than, church is more than an event. Let me define church for you this way. You don't have to use it or put it on a screen or anything like that, but it's a pretty good definition. Church is a group of people that are living out the little by little of God together. Right, it's not all at once. But we're trusting people in my small group. They're praying for something. I'm praying for something. They have a need. I have a need. They saw a miracle. I need a miracle. Their son got saved. I'm praying for my daughter to be saved. And we encourage one another as we follow the faithfulness of God little by little, trusting God's timing. It's the little by little of God lived out in community. You know, a big part of our story that I probably don't have all, all the time to tell, but my, our youngest son, who's nine now, his name's Nolan, he has a genetic lung function disease. He was born with a genetic lung function disease. We had three healthy children, strong children, just in and out of the hospital quickly. Nolan spent about 60 of his first 80 days on the earth in the NICU and the PICU, went back several times in his first year. In 2017 and 18, inside of a 14-month period, he was two and three years old during that time. He had 11 major surgeries in 14 months. They were basically investigating my kid to try to figure out what was going on, not even knowing what it was. Then once they discovered it, we lived this out every day. We walk it out. Just two months ago, we had a little two-week two bout where he was in the hospital for 10 days. And, and, and so we, we kind of walk that out together. My wife carries that, and, and he's always kind of got snot running down his nose because his body just doesn't function like your body does, like my body does. It doesn't clean itself out. So he can, if we don't catch it, some people are like, his nose is running. I'm like, I know, we're thankful for that. I know it's disgusting, but we're looking for what color that stuff is. Because the color lets us know what could be growing on the inside of his lungs, that if we don't catch it quick enough, it could be bad news. So, you know, we're those parents that are blessed to say, what color is your snot today? Let's have a little cup of that. We do it every day. But the, the truth is, 
Having a son like that, I've, I've learned so many things. I've seen people who have so much greater challenges and it gives me compassion on them, right? But my testimony is really not my son has this genetic lung function disease. Here's my testimony. My testimony is the doctors said he probably wouldn't be that tall. And at every age, he is taller than his brothers. At every age mark on our little family ruler, he's been taller than his brothers. My testimony is the doctor said, you probably shouldn't put him in outside sports. And every year he plays baseball in the heat of the summer in Oklahoma and makes it. He picks a little too many flowers in the outfield, but I'm just telling you, he's on the team and we get the trophy. My testimony is, yes, on one side, there's evidence that he has some health challenges. But on the other side, we have seen hurdles jumped. We have seen giants fall. We've seen progress that we never dreamed of when he was five years old. And so who knows what God wants to do next? Here's what I believe God's going to do. Little by little, we'll experience God's goodness. Little by little, we'll find him faithful. All over this room, I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. And as we give the Lord just a few seconds here, I wonder what you're walking through that you've grown impatient in, that you're having a hard time trusting in. What is it that you're believing God for? Maybe that very first question, you don't have an answer. And today, your faith needs to be sparked to just say, Lord, we're trusting you in this. We believe you're going to restore. We believe you're going to heal. We believe you're going you're gonna to move in our lives. You're not done. Just the promise to God, you're not done with me. You're not done with my story, even though I've fallen and, 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 and some, sometimes I think I've disqualified myself. I hear grace today. I hear mercy today. Remind me, I'm not too far gone. God, you're not done with anyone in this room. We're just growing little by little. How many of you here today, I just want to pray two things for you. Here's the first one. How many of you here today would just say, this message is for me? I, need, I needed to hear that he's the God that works little by little and that he's working in me incrementally. And, and I don't want to lose faith in the fight. I don't want to lose faith in the dream. How many of you would just say, Josh, pray for me that, that my faith would remain strong, trusting God for the promise to come into my life. We just raise your hand all over this room and say, that's me, the little by little. I just need, God, I pray right now a confidence that we do like Hebrews 10 says, we would not throw away our confidence, which has great reward. But that we would trust you, that you are at work. I, I just speak that over everyone here. You are working, you are moving, even when we do not see it. We trust in you. I pray that in Jesus' name that we trust the little by little of God.